Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2400 with a release date of Friday, October 27th, 2023. To follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. The FCC takes a fresh look at wireless emergency alerts. Russian amateurs make contacts on the 6-meter band. And a radio signal arrives after 8 billion years. All this and more is Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2400 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline. Amateur Radio's independent, on-the-air news and bulletin service. And now reporting from Valparaiso, Indiana, here's Paul Brown, WD9GCO. We begin this week's newscast with a look at the life-saving communication known as the Wireless Emergency Alert System. Here in the U.S., the FCC has begun rethinking exactly how these alerts should be transmitted. We have those details from Cell MB, KB3TZD. The FCC is looking for alternative ways for delivery of wireless emergency alerts that do not rely on functioning cell towers. Calling cell networks unreliable, the Commission's Public Safety and Homeland Security Bureau is seeking ways to get messages to the public that do not run the risk of cell towers being knocked out of service or having coverage dead zones. In a public notice released October 19th, the FCC said it was looking for partners to test alternative technologies for emergency alert use. According to a report in Radio World, the FCC is willing to consider satellites, high-altitude balloons, drones, or similar technology to make up for gaps in wireless coverage. The FCC recalled one of the most recent incidents of cell coverage failing when in August, 21 cell sites failed to function in Hawaii during the deadly wildfires in that state. The Commission is asking interested parties to use the electronic comment filing system to contact the FCC within 60 days of the notice's publication. This is Salembi, KB3TZD. The FCC has also announced that the agenda for its next open meeting on November 15th will include a vote that will modernize and bring more flexibility for amateur radio operators who use the digital modes. The FCC website says the Commissioner's plan to remove, quote, outdated restrictions, end quote, and allow for more innovation. Residents in southwestern Missouri are about to benefit from an amateur radio repeater system upgrade that will assist in times of bad weather and in other instances. We hear about all of those changes from Randy Sly, W4XJ. A crucial weather emergency communication system in southwest Missouri will receive an upgrade to expand its reach as a result of a grant of nearly $70,000. The Southwest Missouri Regional Skywarn Ham Radio Repeater System allows storm spotters to reach the National Weather Service Forecast Office in Springfield, Missouri, providing up-to-date eyewitness accounts. Funding for the improvements will come from Amateur Radio Digital Communications, which will channel the grant through the Southern Missouri Emergency Communications Fund. The 10-month-long overhaul of the linked repeater system, known as the 49 Repeater Group, will add new repeaters and replace aging equipment. In the meantime, local amateur radio clubs will be learning more from the group's Michael Blake, N0NWS, who will encourage radio operators to become active in the project as well. This is Randy Sly, W4XJ. A repeater system elsewhere is trying to recover. Although wildfires near Chattanooga, Tennessee have been brought under control, the region's High Point repeater site has been left disabled by cable damage left behind by the blaze. The 220 megahertz repeater, 
the Wires X repeater and the APRS Digipeter and iGate system of the Lookout Mountain Amateur Radio Community, N4LMC, will not return to use until further notice, according to the club's website. The damage also temporarily knocked a broadcast FM station off the air. The Lookout Mountain Amateurs website said that the group will need to replace all of the cables at the site. They are also awaiting word from the tower owners about possible damage to the tower, guy wires, and anchor points. If you happen to hear an amateur with a Russian call sign while you're listening on the band between 50 and 52 megahertz, you're not imagining things. And no, that ham is not violating any regulations. Ed Durant, DD5LP, tells us what's happening. Russian amateurs holding that country's highest class of radio license are now being permitted to use the 6-metre band with up to as much as 1 kilowatt under a verbal agreement with the Russian regulator. According to a report in the November 2023 issue of Funk Telegram, hams are working to secure written permission for 6 metres, which is not officially defined as an amateur band in Russia. Hams with Russian call signs have been using the band since 2014 from Crimea when that territory was added. This was a privilege carried over from the time when the 6-metre operation was permitted in Crimea when it was part of Ukraine. Funk Telegram quotes Alexander Kozlov, RW5C, an active amateur who is on the air from Moscow, as confirming to the magazine that a number of amateurs like him are now being heard regularly on the band and are making contacts. Russian amateurs have long contended that if authorities recognise six-metre operation from Crimea, the privilege should be extended to all Russian hams. This is Ed Durant, DD5LP. Radio enthusiasts in the UK turned on their shortwave sets for an on-air celebration. And Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, tells us about it. 100 people turned out on Tuesday the 17th of October for an 80th anniversary celebration at the UK's last remaining shortwave radio transmitting site. Countless others attended the party from a distance, as shortwave listeners who later sent in reception reports. The Wooferton transmitting station, which was built by the BBC during the Second World War, is owned by Encompass Digital Media. Its celebration broadcast was transmitted to listeners in Europe as an analogue broadcast on 17.785 MHz and as a DRM broadcast on 11.725 MHz. In a rare change of programming schedule, the station also used its oldest transmitter, a Marconi BD-272, built in Britain in 1963, to send programming to North America on 15.245 MHz. To hear the anniversary broadcast, click on the link that you can find in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. YLs throughout Australia and beyond are getting ready for a few days of socialising and talking about one of their favourite topics, amateur radio. Graham Kent, VK4BB, tells us what's on the agenda. It's been a tradition every few years since 1984. A national get-together of the members of ALARA, the Australian Ladies Amateur Radio Association. Next month, the in-person contacts will be made in Hobart, where YLs from the organisation will meet up, some for the first time, without having to call CQ. 
Alara Meet, as it is known, is now held every three years. It features a busy agenda on the 4th and 5th of November, a mix of amateur radio activities and social outings, including a tour of historic sites and an optional cruise. It's not unexpected to have an international attendance. Many of the 200 or so Alara members live overseas and have their membership sponsored by whales living down under. Created in 1975, Alara works to nurture women's participation and enthusiasm for all things amateur radio. This is Graham Kemp, VK4BB. Once again, Newsline is preparing to select the recipient for its International Newsmaker of the Year Award. We launched the award in 2019 with our editorial staff recognizing the individuals, groups, or formal clubs who have spent the previous year bringing amateur radio into the spotlight, showing its positive values and contributions to the community. We are broadening the award's scope this year by acknowledging that the dissemination of information to the public about amateur radio's positive influence no longer relies solely on mainstream media. This year, and going forward, the award will be presented to a recipient who has illuminated amateur radio's role in mainstream media or via internet channels. Stay tuned in the weeks ahead. We will select a winner to be announced in early December. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the Utah Amateur Radio Club's W7SP repeater, Sundays as part of the club's 9 p.m. net. The scouting organization recognizes Jamboree on the Air as the largest scouting event in the world. But for one group participating in Wisconsin, the global amateur radio activity created some personal and very local triumphs. Patrick Clark, K8TAC, gives us those details. In a small village just east of Wausau, Wisconsin, scouts were making CUSOs as part of the Jamboree on the Air weekend on Saturday, October 21st. They were using the call sign of the Wisconsin Valley Radio Association, W9SM. Eight volunteer operators from the club helped the scouts get on the air. These radio contacts weren't about the pursuit of QSL cards, but the chase for one of three merit badges. The radio merit badge, the signs, signals, and codes merit badge, and the communications merit badge. The activity attracted scouts from other parts of Wisconsin and some as far away as Minneapolis, Minnesota. According to Nicholas Schilling, KC9FEM, all 22 scouts who had enrolled to get the radio merit badge succeeded in that effort and many of the others completed part of the requirement toward the other two badges. Perhaps the biggest challenge of the day was faced by Gary Harrison, W9CPY, an Eagle Scout who was also president of the Wisconsin Valley Club. Gary said that one scout who lives on a farm locally made a radio contact with a scout in Canada, who also happens to live on a farm. The two got on quite well, almost to the point of an extended rag chew. Gary later told Newsline, quote, I couldn't get the microphone back. End quote. This is Patrick Clark, K8TAC. On Tuesday, October 24th, the 100-year-old Grimaton radio station transmitted a message of peace to the world from Sweden in a celebration that was also live-streamed on YouTube and accompanied by a ham radio activation. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, has that story. The broadcast hosted by the Alexander Grimmiton Friendship Association in Sweden marked UN Day by sending its station's call sign SAQ, followed by a message of peace in CW. The 200 kilowatt Alexanderson alternator began its transmission at 1500 UTC on 17.2 kilohertz, 
Those who could not be present at the World Heritage Site were able to watch it live on the YouTube channel of the Friendship Association. Amateur radio operators also participated using the callsign SK6SAQ for contacts using CW and SSB on 80, 40 and 20 metres. It's all over now, bar the waiting. The operators of the historic transmitter are expecting QSL reports from listeners who received the long-wave transmission. The Grimmiton amateurs are also waiting too for those who made their contacts on HF. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Hams and shortwave listeners alike are invited to participate in a radio event that celebrates the reach of shortwave and its powers to send music and other programming around the world. Here's Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF, with the details. If you thought the days of shortwave broadcast listening were gone, you may be wrong, as a broadcast station in Taiwan is reaching out to the global amateur radio community for assistance with its international shortwave event that continues until 14th of November. The Fushin Broadcasting Station is asking listeners to send reception reports that include such details as favourite music being heard or favourite programme. The listening frequencies are 9.410 MHz, 9.774 MHz and 15.375 MHz. Listeners who provide reception details will be sent a QSL card. The station also broadcasts locally on AM and FM, but that programming is not involved in this activity. Reception report forms can be downloaded from the station's website which appears in the text version of this week's newscast. If you have questions about the shortwave event, send an email to fhbstp at fhbs.com.tw. This is Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF. If you are in the log for a successful contact with the Swains Island W8SD expedition, you're in plenty of good company. The team reports that they made 89,530 QSOs with 21,471 unique call signs. Contacts were evenly distributed across three largest global regions. Europe accounted for 35.1%, North America for 30.8%, and Asia for 29%. More details and other statistics can be found on Clublog using the link in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. In the world of DX, be listening for June, OE1JUN slash JH4RHF, operating as H44RH from Honiara in the Solomon Islands, IOTA number OC-047. He is on the air until the 31st of October. After that, he has tentative plans to operate as H40RH from Pigeon Island, IOTA number OC065 in Tamutu Province, between the 1st and 9th of November. Check qrz.com for updates. QSL to OE1JUN. Ed N2HX is active as V4 slash N2HX from St. Kitts, IOTA number NA104, until the 18th of November. Listen for him in the CQ Worldwide DX Single Sideband Contest using the call sign V49R, QSL via home call, direct, or bureau. 
Listen for Pierre, VE3KTB, and Alexei, VE1RUS, operating as VY0ERC from the Eureka Amateur Radio Club station in Ellesmere Island, IOTA number NA008, through the 22nd of November. See QRZ.com for details. Tom, VK2WN slash SP7WT, is on the air until the 30th of November as AX37EUDXF to celebrate the 37th anniversary of the European DX Foundation. CQRZ.com for details. If you've ever waited for what seems like forever for a D-Expeditions QSL card to arrive, imagine waiting a really long time. We mean a really long time for the signal itself. Ken Peterson, KC0DGY, tells us about one radio signal that has finally arrived after 8 billion years. You might call it long path taken to the extreme. A fast radio burst from a galaxy far, far away that has only arrived on Earth now after 8 billion years. The signal apparently is none the worse for the effort. Scientists say this mystery blast of waves is likely the most energetic they've ever seen, releasing the same amount of energetic emissions as the sun is capable of doing over a 30-year period. It's the latest example of what astronomers call FRB, which stands for Fast Radio Burst. The radio signals last barely a millisecond. Scientists have been receiving and watching them since 2007. This latest reception of the universe's remarkable operating mode even inspired a name, FRB 20220610A. Astronomers wrote about it in the journal Science, which published it on Thursday, October 19th. The team of researchers believe this latest burst may be the result of a small cluster of galaxies attempting to merge, which results in explosions that create new stars. One theory suggests that FRBs are a means of gauging the amount of matter between galaxies. While all this rapid, fancy flashing seems remarkable, scientists assure us that FRBs are quite commonplace. Radio telescopes are being built in Australia and South Africa with the goal of detecting more of them from even more distant places in the cosmos. In this case, the sky is not the limit anymore. This is Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. If you have a piece of amateur radio news that you think Newsline would be interested in, send it on. Now, we're not talking about advertising your club's upcoming ham fest or field day participation, but something that is out of the ordinary. If so, send us a brief overview via the contact page at arnewsline.org. If it's newsworthy and we'd like to cover it, we'll get back to you for more details. Meanwhile, visit our website to learn more about the Amateur Radio Newsline Haiku Challenge. Use the entry form on our website and please follow the rules for writing your three-line haiku and be sure to check out our previous winners. With thanks to Alara, Amateur Radio Daily, the ARRL, the BBC, CQ Magazine, CNN, David Behar, K7DB, and Compass Digital Media, the FCC, 425DX News, Funk Telegram, Nicholas Schilling, KC9FEM, KRMS Radio, Radio World, shortwaveradio.de, the Wireless Institute of Australia, YouTube, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. 
We also remind our listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO in Valparaiso, Indiana, saying 73. As always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2023. All rights reserved.